Episode 50 of Star Wars Tonight is brought to you by Geek Fuel. They ship out a mystery box for geeks, gamers, and Star Wars fan, fans each and every month. Make sure that you check them out and get your free, that's right, free bonus Star Wars item with your first box when you go to geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report. Coming up on Star Wars Tonight, we've hit episode 50. And we've hit single digits until we see Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Star Wars Tonight starts right now. Oh, welcome, welcome. It is Star Wars Tonight. Welcome, welcome, one, come one, come all. It's that nightly countdown to uh, the next Star Wars movie, Rogue One. I'm so excited. I'm your host, Riley Blanton. We've got a great show for you tonight as we talk about all kinds of new Star Wars experiences. That's right. We got so much to talk about. Seriously, like so much is going on. All kinds of up, more trailers, more TV spots, uh, some new info on how they shot some of those amazing X-Wing sequences we've been seeing in these trailers, as well as... Uh, a, a some big news on in terms of box office for Rogue One. We're going to get to all of it, but before we do any of it, I want to welcome in uh, a good friend of the show. There will be a point... At, 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 play the bingo card right now, ladies and gentlemen, for the various terribly racist Australian impressions that Riley's been doing for the last two weeks. The chickens are coming home to roost. Uh, comedian and podcaster extraordinaire Steel Saunders is joining the program. What's going on, Steel? That's not a trailer. This is a trailer. Uh, hey, Riley. Hey, you guys. Um, a week to go. How exciting is it? I know. Um, it's incredible. This time next week, I was, I was having. I, I would have seen the film by now. We get it a, like a day and a half earlier uh, in uh, Australia I from don't... America. So um, it is red hot. It just uh, like we were talking just before the show started about that fourth international trailer. Yes. Trailer? <laughs> the trailer. I, I feel like I have to do a fake Australian accent. <laughs> um, and it's brilliant. That that yeah. was the best piece of hype I've seen uh, yeah. thus far. I, I, I was trying to um, maybe withhold, but I was glad I uh, I clicked that one. That was, mm -hmm. that was fantastic. No, same for me. In fact, like, there's a certain point with The Force Awakens with a lot of the footage that was coming out where I just got, I just gave up on trying to tamper my expectations. Like I was trying not to just be obscenely excited about the film. And I feel like now I'm getting to that point again with Rogue One. I feel like, uh, yeah. I, I feel like, like I'm excited, but I'm not, I'm not Force Awakens excited. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Like Force Awakens, I had waited, you know, 30 years to watch The Force Awakens. Yeah. I, I, I'd, I'd never put much thought as a kid of how they got those Death Star plans. So, um, but I, I think that's going to bode me well because when the day hits, like, it's just going to be euphoria and I'll, I'll probably go into it a bit more loose, a bit more relaxed. Yeah. I, I think we're all a bit tense in Force Awakens, just yeah. like, you know, in JJ We Trust, please come through for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I think there's something about the the expectations the and the weight of the 
event that was the force awakens that i feel like i i didn't i was just literally couldn't even think while i was watching it the first time i literally had to watch it a second time before i could even like start to think about it as a movie i just watched right i feel like the first one for the force awakens was just kind of getting over the the rush of excitement uh, and just like trying to figure out what I thought or what I should think or, you know, like all those things that go through your head when you're processing seeing a Star Wars film for the first time. But I think that's especially sharp for Force Awakens, whereas here we're, we're a little better off. We have a little bit more time, a little bit more um, uh, freedom to, I think, just go watch a great uh, Star Wars film that doesn't necessarily, I don't know, like redefine an entire franchise for a brand new generation. It doesn't have quite that much weight on it. Yeah, for real. And I I love remembering the things that I was thinking the first time I watched The Force Awakens. Yeah. Like the like like I enjoy misconceptions of where your mind sort of takes you. I remember when Snoke first appeared <laughs> and I thought it was another Yoda. Oh, I thought like, it was I gone. And then I was just like, no, 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 no ears, no ears. But I thought that would have been very interesting if that was a giant holographic um another Yoda. But, you know, I, I think I only got to have that thought for about 10 seconds before I noticed the ears. Yeah. But, um, but I enjoy that, those sort of flights of fancy where you just see something. Like I always think about when I had the Return of the Jedi, um, there was a poster book and just seeing the posters without the film and in your head, you think what all those things, like how it fits into the film. Yep. And so I, I sort of enjoy that, you know, when new images come out, you know, now we sort of know a lot about them. But, you know, when those initial – like I remember when Finn popped up in that Force Awakens trailer <laughs> and and sort of thinking like I've got no idea what's happening. Like why is he just jumping up? Is mm-hmm. he – We're basically like, like but, Finn because he had no idea what was happening either. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But I, I like those things that just like you get a mystery and you get three months just to think about it. That's, that's why I, I never – like I'm always happy for Star Wars films to take their time to arrive because I enjoy the like percolating before <laughs> it. <laughs> well, I'm sorry because that's all over. <laughs> I feel like, well, although to be fair, like for Star Wars, we have it. We we're sipping on this tea, right? Like if you're a Marvel fan, it's just like gallons of of Georgia sweet tea just coming at you. Sweet Marvel awesomeness coming at you. What three times a year now? So like once a year is slow. Uh, comparatively. Yeah, uh, I, I, I would be happy with every 18 months. I think that's a good amount of time to build up and down for the excitement. But, yeah, God, I hope it doesn't go beyond once a year. That It's just... Yeah, that would be... I, I don't... I don't... I couldn't... I couldn't take it. I, like... And I don't know this... And maybe we maybe we hold Star. This may be more, a deeper conversation than needs to be... That needs to happen. But maybe in some ways we hold the mythology of Star Wars higher than it should be because maybe sometimes we do forget that it's pop art and that, you know, maybe having two or three films a year would be kind of cool. But I, I can't, even saying that out loud, I agree with you, man. I, I don't think I could do it. <clears throat> yeah, well, you need time for the the build-up and then, yeah. you know, the, the the seeing it, you know, a few months of getting to see it and then the last screening and then the, the Blu-ray comes out yeah. and then you wind back up again with, like, the teaser for the next film. So I, I, I sort of enjoy and, – and, and maybe it's a bit easier when you've gone – you know, you've lived through those dark times without films that, yeah. um, you know, you, I, I'm, I'm used to a slower pace. Yeah, no. I, I, like, a, I like a good decade between films. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on now. Hang on. 
Uh, Swar in the chat was saying, yeah, he does like the the once a year format, which I kind of I, I kind of um, agree with. But all right, well, speaking of uh, speaking of the film that's coming out in like what is it nine days in the U.S. eight days? Uh, let's talk about it because there's a lot of a uh, lot of potential here uh, for Rogue One, and also we're getting some details on the production. Uh, of Rogue One, specifically this X-Wing combat that I'm pretty interested in. So let's talk about it uh, in the news. We have something to report. The data I have the news. Data brought to us by the Botany Spies. We can send a clear transmission. There it is. Listen, listen. The, the, my, my Santa hat keeps hitting me in the face. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, but for everyone not watching live, yeah. he's bouncing, he's doing a little dance to the music and stuff. Yeah. It is an inflicted pom-pom attack. <laughs> it is so true. It is so true. All right. Uh, in, a, in a brand new presentation, uh, a, a new piece from the most recent guest on the Steel Wars podcast, Anthony Bresnikan. Uh, ah, <laughs> you like Brez. that? There you go. Brez. Uh, he, uh, uh, Brezzy, as we call him around here. Uh, he so was talking to Gareth Edwards and, and and specifically in the interview talked about this X-wing footage that we've been seeing in all these TV spots, specifically uh, how he came up with a unique way to view them. This is again straight from Entertainment Weekly. Quote: When we were filming the X-wing footage in the film, we had the X-wing cockpit mounted to a gimbal so it could move around like it was really flying, and then all around were screens, 180 degrees that we were projecting the space battle in this uh, pre-animated flight path as the X-Wing was moving around like it was really flying. They basically made the best Disney ride ever just for the sake of shooting <laughs> this X-Wing sequence. Well, see, that's why in one of those Rogue One, um, like sort of behind the scene footage tapes, there's like a guy maybe with a mustache, but he gets in the X-Wing and he's just got this massive grin. Yep, yep. Have you seen that? I, and he's yep. just like an extra, but he's having the best time ever. That's, well, that's the why creature. he's got the giant grin. Mm -hmm. He's just ridden like the ultimate Disney ride ever. But I, I should point out that Jason Ward from Making Star Wars, he's been talking about this gimbal for probably about 10 months now. Um, he had word that that's how they were sort of filming um, a lot of those scenes. So it, it's cool that that's, that's come out. And I was interested, and, and you clarified that what, you know, how, what was the footage that they, that they show, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, did they do those effects in advance? But you're saying it was sort of like a, an animatic type deal. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And that's, and that, but still, man, like the fact, and, but I remember in the behind the scenes footage for The Force Awakens, they did that with the Millennium Falcon cockpit. Maybe not with the screens, but they had uh, Daisy Ridley in that mounted gimbal as she was doing her thing. Uh, and that was, yeah, well, that was, that was outside. So yeah. this is sort of like you're in a big circular IMAX ride type deal. Did you, Riley, did you use that, um, virtual reality thing at Star Wars Celebration? No. Europe? There were like three times where I was about to get in line and it was long and usually involved me choosing whether to get Thai noodles or get VR. And man, after like 12 hours of not eating, Thai noodles are really good. So each time I pretty much chose the noodles. That was Chose the, the noodles? I know. Regular George Lucas in Adelaide. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. The, it was... I was going to say you did, right? I cannot believe how good it was. Oh, like, really? I was I was screaming with joy in like my friend, um, oh, you know Dominic Jones. He yep, was yep. outside. He'd already had his shot, and he was just like, 
<laughs> all I could hear was you like just because <laughs> it was in the end. So yeah. you've got the, the 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 mask on, and you've got like hand sort of controls, and you're standing in this little white room, and the falcon comes over, and the way like you duck, yeah, you duck for the falcon, and then you end up getting a lightsaber, and unlike sort of like the Wii when you move the lightsaber and it doesn't feel like I always thought like I was like, it was sort of um, patronizing me that oh. it was like, yeah, sure. You're moving it. Cause I'd move it a certain way and it would always just move the one way. But yeah. in this yeah. virtual reality, it moved exactly how you moved it. And then when a lightning, like a laser bolt hit the saber, so, the saber hand vibrated. So and was you could, this? And you'd knock it back. What? 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 Was this like the Galaxy VR, or was this like the HTC Vive, or whatever that is? Like, do you remember what? What's the actual technology behind this? Because I know they just released the PlayStation VR experience for the for Battlefront, but I know that's different. This was the ILM X Lab something studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah, ILM yeah. X Lab that developed it, and then I think it's on. The HTC Vive. I don't know. Email us starwarstonight uh, at gmail.com or let us know in the chat if you know what it is. Because I wanted yeah, to go, I'm man. I just didn't have the chance. And it is like that VR seems to be like where it's at, especially with there are two worlds I want to actually experience in VR. Because honestly, like I don't want to. There, there are very few things that would get me to spend as much money as it costs right now. And even though the price has come down for things like the PlayStation version and, and other things, I would totally, totally pay solid money for star wars and middle earth like those are the those are the two i would definitely pay like what what's your dream experience so like now that you've actually experienced what they can do what do you want where do you want to go in the world of star wars if you could just design your own part of the galaxy to visit what would you want i would not so much design a galaxy but i would like through the vr thing to be able to be Luke Skywalker in the Battle of Carcoon. Oh, uh. that is my favorite scene in the in the entire saga. It it it, it is it is impossibly good. Yeah, Night the Green, like the whole thing of just like Luke, you know, this whiny little kid goes out into the galaxy, comes back to his hometown, a Jedi, and takes on the bully in town, and he's in the worst situation, and he just says free us or die, Jabba yeah. laughs, and then he goes, all right then, I, I, I gave you a choice, R2, yeah. flick us over the lightsaber. <laughs> and then he catches it, sweet backflip, and then cleans house. I, I just yeah. think that is so brilliant. And and to be able to somehow, I'm not sure how I'm going to do the, the, the I was going to say, this is sounding really stuff. dangerous if you tried to replicate it in like a VR environment. <laughs> But then my other, or maybe get some trampolines involved. That, who knows? Ooh. Like, oh, oh, can you imagine? Probably, all right, sorry to interrupt, but can you imagine, like, I don't know if you've uh, seen these. In America, we, we've seen a, a number of these pop up. There's one in Atlanta, which is like this giant trampoline jungle. And it's like this giant warehouse-sized building with nothing but uh, basically foam uh, constructions with various types of trampoline riggings everywhere with all of these different sort of three-dimensional shapes and sizes that you can run around, bounce around, and all that kind of stuff. It's like basically a hugely glorified McDonald's bouncy castle the size of a warehouse. Can you, can you go to that dressed in red overalls and a fake mustache? Because... <laughs> 
I would love to get some Mario cosplay going and just, you know, do 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 Exactly. I'm sure it's been done. Yeah, uh, Darth Redeemer in the chat. Jump zones. Uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's a good example. And I, can you imagine, though, doing it but with a really advanced tracking device that you wore to where it could basically transform your environment uh, and, and you could actually run around but without fear of being uh, smashing your head in. <laughs> Oh, I'd love that so much. Uh, yeah. um, or maybe, how good would this be? A um, If you're watching Westworld, a oh, Halloween-themed yes. Westworld. Uh, yes. That Although now I'm terrified of it. I'll, I'm in the middle of the last episode. I haven't finished it yet. But, man, it's yeah. can, the concept. Probably not the best idea. I, I, I would love, man. Uh, this... <laughs> If someone, if George Lucas were still around and, and had the $4 billion, I just feel like the right pitch to him and he'd be sold on it and he'd be like, ah, sure. And he would just spend all of his money. Forget the, the, how he donated it all to charity. We're going to build Star Wars Westworld. Uh, that is terrifying and exhilarating. You know what? I would probably throw out a lot of my own uh, moral compunctions when it comes out to, to <laughs> Star Wars. Like I would like, sure, I'll just, I'll just run around killing stormtroopers, uh, and I'll, I'll blow up the Death Star. You know what? Luke Skywalker did it. He's a good guy. He's a great guy. So. But my other game VR thing is probably like that one's a bit too exciting. My other one's probably super boring because on Battlefront, yeah, I couldn't like. I didn't really get into it. Like I sort of played it at a friend's house and it, it's a bit crazy with um, all these people that play it 24-7 just, you know, they kill you instantly. Like it's yeah. crazy. So I played the um, the Endor thing where you can just ride around on speeder bikes and I would like the ability just to get off the speeder bike and just walk around Endor and just watch Ewoks picking berries. <laughs> just going about their business. Do you know what I mean? Just, could you, just resist, yourself, could you resist just going on an absolute rampage? Cause like remember the, the the in Battlefront two there's literally a level dedicated to do nothing but slaughtering Ewoks. Horrible. Have Horrible. you ever played it? It's the best thing ever. <laughs> that is just terrible. Uh yeah no uh and and Darth Redeemer has the perfect name indoor indoors. See there you go that's what we'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> yes I am a terrible person uh, Sora in the chat. Uh, all right. Well, we got one more. We do have another story that we got to hit tonight, uh, and that is uh, an expansion of the potential money. <laughs> money. Uh, in fact, uh, Rogue One has landed, or will land, I should say, not unlike Luke Skywalker on uh, the uh, the bridge of the skiff. Uh, he is. <laughs> they will land in China, which is a huge, huge piece of news for not only just the box office, but the potential for uh, Star Wars spinoff films in the future, I think. Um, because it, it, it comes down to the money. And I'll explain what I mean by that right after I tell you about our sponsor for today's episode, which is Geek Fuel. Geek Fuel is a monthly subscription box that you yourself can order to get surprised by five to seven unique geeky items, including posters, t-shirts, and all kinds of really cool knickknacks and doodads. One of my personal favorites still is the It's a Nap pillowcase, which was in the box that they sent us, which is the best thing ever. Uh, but also, uh, they, send, um, they, they, they send a free bonus Star Wars item. That's right, free bonus Star Wars item to you when you sign up through the link at geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report. That's geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report. Make sure that you get them. It's uh, 50 bucks of value, 15 bucks 
plus shipping and handling. Geekfuel.com slash Star Wars report. All right. So here's what it means. Here's what the landing in the Chinese box office means. Now, The Force Awakens opened up uh, January 9th in uh, 20, well, I almost said 2015, but 2016, this year in the, in the Chinese market. It is currently on track, uh, the, the Chinese film market, to overtake the U.S. in terms of overall box office reception. Uh, however, here's the thing. The types of films that hit well in the overseas markets are becoming quite different in many cases than the ones that are big hits here in uh, the United States and in Europe, uh, and even Australia, I would venture to say. In Australia, was Warcraft the biggest movie ever? <laughs> That's the question. Um, I don't have a lot of Australian pride, but I can hang a bit of Australian pride <laughs> on the fact that The Force Awakens did far better than Warcraft. <laughs> Exactly. Well, that was not the case in China. Warcraft by far outdid um, out outdid uh, Star Wars in 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 China, which which was weird. But then again, it's just because culturally, Star Wars isn't that like uh, isn't that just purely mainstream uh, element that's just part of the the oxygen of pop culture, right? And so we, that's what we think of in the United States. But when you're pitching uh, The Force Awakens, so much of the entire marketing campaign was all nostalgia. But if it's not something that culturally you're nostalgic about, it's not really going to hit home that much. So instead of a unique premise uh, to a film that is really visually interesting, which Warcraft was, although evidently it wasn't very good. I never saw it. Uh, but it, it that's that's the potential. So I think Rogue One in and of itself isn't depending on previous films for its marketing. So I think there's real potential that Rogue One could make more money than The Force Awakens in the Chinese market, which, by the way, would really go a long way to solidify the idea of these spinoff, self-sufficient Star Wars films instead of the saga ones, because if the money's there... Uh, then, uh, then, boom! You have a recipe for success, and it's film already a been month. It, uh, film a month. I'm sorry, a film a month. <laughs> a film a month. What? Wait, what are you talking about? Well, if it goes really well, that's what we're gonna. Oh, oh, I got you. I was like, but dude, I did. I didn't even realize what you were saying because that in my my brain short circuited of thinking is that proposal even possible? And then I, I don't know. I was like, no, that is not <laughs> a film a month. It will. <laughs> So I don't know. That's kind of my thought. What do you think the thing on it? With um, the Chinese market, is their their storytelling and their myths are, are quite different to um, like Western culture. Like they, from what I've been told, a lot of their classic myths, like all the heroes die. Yeah, that it's it's like this. They it's got a really different way of storytelling, and um, a lot of big film production companies, Disney included, are working on these joint ventures with um, people in China to 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 make a um, you know like a hybrid crossover Western yeah. Eastern um, like myth. Yeah, it's going to make money everywhere. So it, it is like something that they're they they're, they're specifically like developing films that are going to like cross over into the Chinese market. Well, and Warcraft, I think is uniquely qualified to do that because, um, it just visually has a lot more, uh, familiar elements, uh, globally, instead of just this sort of, 
I don't know Western tradition. But what's funny is that, like, even with A New Hope, think about uh, at the Kurosawa films. At least uh, that was, you know, based closely in, in Japanese film tradition. So what would be interesting to me is, like, and, and this might be a great way to kind of cap off the podcast. If, if you're to look ahead to a uh, spinoff film in the future, Steel, what do you think ha- would have the most potential for, like, cross-cultural success? Uh, particularly with the the Chinese market, I know that's like an awfully big numbers thing. But uh, what what is the Star Wars spinoff movie outside the box that no one would think to do that would actually turn out to be amazing? Wow, uh, I don't know. It's hard to think of one that's out the box because I th- I think fans have pitched every possible combination <laughs> of Star Wars spinoff films. Yeah, but. You have to think that, um, you know, if you went into the Knights of the Old Republic time and, and you drew upon um, the mythology of, of, of like the samurai and that sort of stuff, you could come up with something that would really relate or, or maybe like, a, like a, a, dare I say, a young Yoda adventure. Okay. I would love I would love to see it. I know a lot of people say, no, it's sacred. I would love to see like young samurai warrior Yoda go to town. Yeah, I could go with that. And or just like Knights of the Old Republic, just, you know, go way back. Um, you know, I remember reading all those old comics about like the hyperspace war and yeah. and that stuff. And that, and that sort of like medieval, um, you know, far more rougher Star Wars would be yeah. gorgeous to see mm. on the screen. That's for sure. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. No, I would love to see that. I'd love to see that. Well, unfortunately, I, t- I just looked at the clock. And, uh, and my internal clock, and, and a couple things, guys. Number one, I've got an episode of Westworld to finish because I was just reminded about how I'm intrigued and sucked in I am by that show. And so I'm definitely going to do that. And number two, that means that this episode of Star Wars Tonight has come to a close. Aww. But before you guys go, let me remind you... Meehan's Pub and Public House, the big pre-Rogue One meetup. Make sure that you show up at uh, the Meehan's Atlantic Station right in Midtown Atlanta, 5 p.m. We're all going to go hang out, uh, have a grand old time, eat, drink, and be merry, and then go see the 7 p.m. IMAX 3D showing of Rogue One at Regal Atlantic Station. Join us. There's a Facebook event you can go to. It's starwarsreport.com slash meetup. And speaking of awesome Rogue One meetups, if you happen to be on the other side of the globe, I'm sure there's one that Steel can tell you all about, as well as Steel, tell everybody where they can find your awesome work on ye old internets. Okay. Well, the podcast is Steel Wars. You can find it all at steelwars.com. Uh, it's, it's, we do like call-in shows, and but we're probably best known for our interview episodes. We just put up a new one with Anthony Bresnikan Great stuff. from Entertainment Weekly. And it goes in-depth on Star Wars journalism. And um, he answers the question about whether he is in Lucasfilm's pocket or not. So oh. it's, it, it's gotten such a, a crazy good response so if you're interested in how star wars news is is created and curated and how the rollout of, of yeah i take the task for the the way darth vader was um confirmed uh-huh. and uh we have a, a spirited conversation about that but it's it, it was a great chat he's, he's nice. such a cool guy big star wars fan and um but if you're in australia we are doing a midnight premiere on 
Wednesday the 14th, which is um, then Thursday morning out at Knox. And then we, as we did for The Force Awakens, directly afterwards at 2.30 in the morning, <laughs> we go into the Irish bar next door and have a live reaction podcast with um, a ton of former guests. Like a lot of the, the top uh, comedians in Australia will be there. Nice. And um, some Star Wars fans. Um some that we've had on before and then so that is on the 14th then we're doing another reaction podcast live in sydney on the 17th and then one in brisbane on the 18th so if you're in there you can uh track down all that live thing or you can just subscribe on itunes wherever you subscribe and you can listen to all from the comfort of your home with your Santa hat on like Riley will be. Mm-hmm. Don't let that thing hit yourself in the face too much. Uh, Steel Wars is the podcast. Go there and, uh, and 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 catch the Grand Steel Wars Rogue One tour, which is evidently <laughs> a thing. Uh, but yeah, no, it's going to be a great time. I can't wait. We're going to have a... We, we're going to do a... I'm excited to hear what you, you're doing because we're doing kind of the same. We're doing a series of daily reaction episodes. They're going to be crossovers of the main show, Star Wars Report and Star Wars Tonight. We're going to have a return of a lot of the guests. So still, it's been an absolute pleasure to bring you in as part of the uh, Star Wars Tonight family of folks. It's been so great to have you uh, and so many other uh, incredible entertainers, podcasters, writers all on. It's been... This is literally... I said it before. I'll say it again. This show is my excuse to talk to people who are cooler than I am. So about Star Wars. <laughs> well, um, thanks for having us. And and if you need us for the reactions, uh, I'm more than happy yes. to chat. And the thing with you is, Riley, whenever I see or hear you on the internet, uh-huh. I now think of Shake Shack because that's where we, uh, uh, we had our first yes. meet together. Oh, good so times. I just, I, I'm looking at you now and I'm just thinking about that melted cheese on the burger, <laughs> how well they did it. Good times, good times at uh, New York Comic Con. We'll be back tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with uh, magician and television host Andrew Main uh, is going to be on on the show tomorrow. So uh, stay tuned for that. I'm very excited. We'll have that going on. Uh, And then on into the final week before Rogue One. In fact, no, I mean the week of Rogue One. That's next week. (laughs) (laughs) We're halfway through the week. That's the week before the week of Rogue One. Can you believe it? Seven days, guys. Man, I there's just, I mean it just it, it it boggles the mind and just really still creates one question. Have you seen the trailer? <laughs> <laughs> to Star Wars that Remember, the opinions expressed in this podcast episode are not the opinions of... Steel Saunders, Australians, or the Star Wars Report. And remember, there's one man the Empire can depend on when it comes to the construction of the Death Star, and that ain't Tarkin. It's Mendo! Mendo! I don't know if it's possible to do Australian accents in the chat, but I think that's what everybody's doing right now.